Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. Well, it's preaching time, so if you guys would, open the Bible to Titus, third chapter. We're going to be reading from the 12th to the 15th verse. When I send Artemis or Tychias to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen to the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zay. Thank you, Zay. And thank you, worship team. Good job, y'all. Look at y'all. Amen. Yo, we... We be fighting, we be arguing with each other. It'd be, it's all love. It's like big kids. We just come together and just start fussing at each other. Uh, but I'm so thankful for our worship team and all that the Lord has continued to bless us with. Uh, as they said, we will be picking up our time in, this, in the book of Titus. Actually, we will be coming to land this plane today as we finish our series, uh, the Truth Influence Lives. And we've been doing kind of a mini-series, a two-part series called The Devoted Life. And we'll be spending our time in the last chapter on the devoted life. So Isaiah has already read our scripture into our hearing. But this chapter, I think, as a bookend, is one of the most important bookends of this book. Because it points to something that is just as important as living as Christians before a fallen world but it covers something called the one another's. So before we dive in, would you mind praying with me so that we can dive into God's word and ask him to speak to us in his word? Father, we're so thankful that we can come together, that we can worship you, that you have put us in a place where we can celebrate your wonderful name together. Knowing that you are present with us, you said there, where there's one or, two, one or two to the three gathered, you are in the midst. And Father, we know that you are here. Your spirit is already taking a, making a perfect work in your people. Father, we pray that this time, that as we dive into your word, that you would show us your beauty. We show us the truth of what you have called us to live out with each other. As we seek to live a devoted life as you have called us to live. Help us to press in deep. Look at your word, your word with fresh eyes, that you would illuminate your text for us. Bring it to life for us. 
Let it bear much fruit in our lives. Father, I pray that I would decrease, you would increase, that you would show your presence here today. Now, when we leave this place, we will go out singing praises to your name, falling deeper in love with you as you are making us fall deeper in love with each other. So, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we give you all the glory. So in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, in the year 2000, there was a box office smash hit, uh, this movie called Castaway. Now, if you're not familiar with the movie, I'll give you a quick overview. A lot of people have probably seen it. If they haven't seen it, they know Wilson. Of all people, they know Wilson. But this movie is about an obsessively punctual FedEx executive named Chuck Nolan, played by America's father, Tom Hanks. He's en route to an assignment in Malaysia, and his, his plane crashes in the Pacific Ocean during a storm. And he's the sole survivor of this flight. Chuck washes ashore on a deserted island, and he makes many efforts. He tries, to, he tries to build a boat and sail away. That fails. He finds a radio. He tries to contact help, and that fails. And then Chuck is left alone, learning how to survive on the, on the island for almost four years. And there's this interesting reality in the, in the, in the story of Chuck in this movie Castaway. After finding shelter, finding clean water, and finding food, the most important thing after all these was to find a companion. He found this handmade of volleyball, and he had a cut on his hand, and he touched the volleyball, and it left a kind of a handprint on the volleyball that he created a face-off with, and he named him Wilson. I think Castaway teaches us a very deep and valuable lesson that none of us were made to live on an island by ourselves. It's kind of interesting that right after all these things to find these, all these efforts of trying to survive, the one thing that he knew would keep him alive and mentally still able to be there after finding food, water, and shelter is a friend. I think this teaches us a a deep and valuable lesson. We're meant to have friends. We're meant to have relationships. We're meant to be with one another. Today, as we dive into our time in this text, there's this interesting concept that is being realized in the last few verses of this text, and it's the fact that Paul is telling Titus to think about the one another's. The one another's is such an important topic all throughout the Bible that it actually shows up in over a hundred, it shows up a hundred times in the New Testament in over 94 verses. Matter of fact, here's a couple popular verses you've probably heard from Jesus himself in the gospel of John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. He says, I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A uh, quick Bible study lesson, if you see him say something more than twice in, in, in two verses, it's really important. In these two verses, he says it three times. Love one another. Hey, y'all, love one another. If they want to know who's mine, 
They'll see it in how they love one another. He even goes further in the further on in the Gospel of John in chapter 15. This is right after having communion with his friends and predicting a betrayer was amongst them. He said, the same person who is dipping bread with me will be also the one that betrays me. And when Judas takes it and says, I got to go, he said, go do your thing. But then in verse 15, he tells his family, his friends, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he shows the implications of that. He says, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for a friend. He says, you are my, you are my friends. And if you really are my friends, look what he says in verse 14. If you are my friends, you do what I command. And what did he command? Love one another. Love one another. These verses show this beautiful picture of one of the most important installations of what Jesus was doing on earth. Not only was he trying to build a relationship between man and God, but the next thing he did was build a relationship with each other. You understand that our very salvation is a great gift, and our salvation comes with the implications that we are meant to love one another, to be amongst each other. The very... The very implications of this mean that the church itself is a gift. The church itself is a gift, just like our very salvation before our Holy Father. Jesus really meant this as we see how he continued to repeat it. But Jesus wasn't the only one that said that his very disciples followed suit. Listen to what Paul said in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another. Deeply as brothers and sisters, take lead in honoring one another. Like I said, this verse, this text, one another, one another is a continuous picture being shown all throughout the New Testament. You might ask, well, what does this have to do with Titus chapter 3? As we land and say, what does it mean to have a devoted life? Well, let me give you a quick update. The devoted life means we must be devoted first to God and devoted also to one another. And as Paul is landing and telling Titus how the churches live, listen to what he says in verse 12 through 13. He says, when I send Artemis or Tychius to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journeys so they will lack Nothing. Paul is trying to tell us right here that a devoted life means we take one, we take care of one another, making sure we lack nothing. Paul is saying, "Hey, I'm going to send back either Z- uh, 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 Artemis or I'm going to send Tychius to you. I don't know which is coming to you, today, but when he gets there, make sure they're good." These are your brothers. Love them. Care for them. Make every effort to be with them. Take care as they come to them. And matter of fact, while you're at it, I might be in in Nicopolis. I'm about 200 miles away from Crete, but I would love to see you also. I would love to spend some time with you also. I'm going to spend my winter here. If you get some time free, come and see me. This is what it means to take care of one another. To think of your brothers and sisters' need over and over, making sure my brothers and sisters aren't in need, right? They don't need nothing, right? They're not lacking anything, right? Nothing is going wrong in their life. And I know you hear this and you're like, what? 
because this is so countercultural to our individualistic society. Because our culture says, no, no, you take care of your own needs. Nobody's going to worry about if you lacking nothing or not. You know, you take care of you and your household. And there is some truth there. We should work. The Bible says the man don't work, he doesn't eat. We should put every effort to make sure that we are taking care of what we can take care of, but we're not meant to do that by ourselves. We're not meant to live in that reality by ourselves. I'm so glad that Zay came up and gave that testimony earlier. He said, man, you've been loving me and all my kids because I could tell you, that's one of the things I see bubbling up in this church. The other week when I looked up, as I was preaching, I just looked up and I just saw kids being held, all in different arms. And I was like, this is what it means to care for one another. As we're trying to figure out what children's ministry is going to look like and get enough volunteers to sign up, well, we still have kids around. And they need to be loved. They need to be cared for because they are also one of the one another's to us. They are of our body. And you guys stepped in. You were present. Not distracted, not seen as a hindrance, but seen as an opportunity to make sure that your brothers and sisters, both the parents and also these children, would lack nothing. That they would be loved, they would be cared for. I want you to understand, as City of Refuge, this goes into our very DNA. We are people who said we have been called by Jesus first. We are loved by Jesus, so we respond to that calling to him. But once we respond to that, he's connected us first to him, but then he connects us to each other. And we live as this growing family that's coming together slowly to show off his kingdom. And we're just trying to follow suit, as the church did in the beginning. We see this same thing in the very inauguration of the church in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 35, it says, Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as they had need. The very, the very conception of the church, the first thing they did is say, hey, now we're a new people coming together. We're under this new king, and we have to make sure everybody in our kingdom is taken care of. And as City of Refuge is looking more and more like his kingdom, we say, hey, we got to make sure everybody in this kingdom, in this church, is taken care of. And again, this seems so strange in a society where the church is seen as a place to go and just get what you need, not as a place to go and make sure your brothers and sisters get what they need, caring for one another. And Riverside, the church that sent us out, they have uh, this, they have a value that says they have a, a, a active rest. And it means that they give rest to one another. This is a, tr this value might not be one of our values that stick out, but it's definitely in the DNA. As a people who are present, we say we believe in acting, being present. We value being present, which means we value being in the facility, not just around each other, not just sitting near each other, but knowing what's going on with each other. 
making sure everyone around us is okay. Now, this may feed into some people's shame because they might never tell what they really need. The church is a place where many people are afraid to express, I need help. I need relationships. I need, I need help in these ways. I need people around me. This church can sometimes be a terrifying place to be that because so many testimonies of per- people who have been hurt by the church. That's true. But the church, the same place to have these problems is the same place to have the solution to these problems. We're people who know what grace is to know what mercy is. We know we are people who once lacked something and know what it means to be fulfilled. And that's what we should extend to each other. So I want to challenge those who may need help. They might feel like they're lacking something. Go and tell your brothers and sisters what's going on in your life. Open up. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy and say they're going to shame you. But I also want to challenge those who may receive that, 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 that the person opening up. Don't shame them. Don't make it seem like they're a burden on you because, first of all, that's the trick of the enemy to say that you should live in shame. Second of all, we're supposed to make every effort to make sure everyone is taken care of just as every effort has been made to make sure that you were taken care of. Then Paul goes on as he continues this discussion with Titus in verse 14. He says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be found, they will not be unfruitful. As we devote ourselves to this life of caring for the one another, as we take care of one another, it helps us produce fruit. This is an interesting concept. So y'all know back in 2020, the world shut down because of the, co- because of the pandemic. Uh, I was at home bored just like everybody else. So I got into a wonderful thing called gardening. And there's this interesting thing I found out about gardening. Uh, as you're planting one plant, that plant needs other vegetation and other plants around it so that it will produce something. So to make it a little more plain, I have my tomatoes right here. And I'm like, yeah, my tomatoes going to start budding. But my tomatoes needed pollen from my dill and my my herbs over here. And it also needed some pollen from my basil over here. And then I had some cucumbers down there and I had some corn. It didn't make it. But I had all these different plants all around. And what they were doing was pollinating each other. As the pollen spread. Family, that's the picture of the church, a a group of different people from different walks, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, just all these different people. And they produce, help each other produce fruit. They, they, They help cross pollinate. And here's the hard thing about being around people different than you sometimes is it's uncomfortable. My tomatoes, it, you needed two feet to, to plant the tomatoes. They need about two feet because the, vine, the vines run a certain way. But then you have other plants, they only need a couple inches. If I put these two plants too close together, they could choke each other out. But they needed each other, so they had to be in proximity of each other. I just had to figure out how far I could put them. That's the same way God is putting his church together. Strange and unique people. We are all strange and unique people. Don't worry. We are all <laughs> straight. Every time people ask me, explain your church, I said, well, we're peculiar. <laughs> it's, it's biblical, y'all. It's, we're peculiar people. 
You know, you come to our church, you hear about anime and hip hop, and then you hear about apologetics and church history, and then somebody might jump in and start talking about anatomy and biology. It's just the weirdest thing. But yet, God has put these people together to start producing a fruit with each other. It's interesting that Paul, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, if you actually pay attention to the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is not really a a lot about how it's affecting you personally, but it's the implications of how it affects those around you. Listen to the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, if you look at these fruit, why would we need love unless we had to put our object of love on someone else, on others around us? Why would we need patience unless we're going to have people around us that's going to, have to, that's going to test our patience? Oh, you said that a little too loudly. <laughs> Why would we need kindness unless we had to show this kindness to others? Why would we need to be good unless this good would benefit others? And gentle. What do I need to be gentle for? Unless I'm being gentle to someone else. It's funny that all of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul is talking about is not just for the life of the believer, but it's for the life of those around the believer. Church, I think this, our text is telling us a very vital and important thing. That our devoted lives should benefit not just those who don't know Christ, but those we call brothers and sisters. This is why we need the church. This is why we need to be in community together. This is why we need to be fellowshipping together. Because God uses strange people like me and you to grow each other up and to show himself off. The very reason that the church was put together, as Jesus said, I first loved you. How did he first love us? Well, he lived sacrificially. He he laid everything down from us. A divine literally came to earth, died on behalf of the undivine, and he made us divine. He made us righteous. It's It's what Martin Luther called the great exchange. He exchanged our sin. Our sin is our rebellion towards God. He literally said, hey, let me get that off. You can't handle that. I'll take it on myself. But this righteous robe, you can't get it unless I take that off of you. So let me get that and I'll give you this. He made this big trade. And when he traded it, he said, this is proof of how much I love you. This is why we come and worship. This is what we look to. This beautiful reality that we are now have access to the perfect and the Holy Father. That us, who were once objects of destruction, have now been considered treasure. But that treasure was not a treasure to stay alone. Once he made us treasure, he put other treasure pieces around us. He put other objects that once was set up for destruction around us and around himself. And he said, now look at them. Look at my treasures. And as we're sitting in this place together, sometimes these treasures rub each other. And they bump against each other. But they're creating something so beautiful. 
That's why the church exists, family. That's why we're so important. And for those who feel like they don't need the church, I don't need the church. It's just me and Jesus. Nowhere in the scriptures, even when he says, I went for the, I left the 99 to go get the one. He didn't stay out there with the one. He brought the one back into the fold so that they would produce more. We are considered, we are meant to live life together. We are meant to be together. We are not meant to be castaways. On an island by herself, talking to Wilson. We're not meant to live that way. Yet sadly, so many times we do live that way. We, we do run to that which is comfortable. The lie of the enemy is saying, stay where it's comfortable. God is happy with you there. And that is not the truth. That is not the truth. He says, those who seek to find their life will lose it. But those who are willing to lose their life on my behalf will gain it. Us coming together is splitting us giving a part of our life together. Matter of fact, First Peter chapter 2, where it talks about these living stones coming together. These are living stones who are living sacrifices, living broken before each other. But he's building them up for his, his presence to be in the dwelling place. That's why we exist. That's why the church exists. That's why we are supposed to be here together. But I understand there's a lot of bad demonstrations of church. There's a lot of unhealthy images of what the church is. Too long have we lived as a people who just went to church to get a special word for us, to get a recharge from us. It's not what we're supposed to be. That's not what it was about. It was always about this greater kingdom of people coming together, declaring and showing off their, their love for God for all men to see as the objects that he used for his worship. That's what we're here for. But not just our local church. Let's end off this chapter. Look at verse 15. Paul, as he's writing to Titus and Crete, he said, all those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. Family, City of Refuge, I pray it's going to be a special church. We're going to be a wonderful, united people, but we're not the only church around. We have wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ, and they greet us. Man, I have testimonies. The celebration is just testimonies of God's faithfulness through his people. Just a couple I can name off the top of my head. We have Riverside who came and loved us. He, he, they they kind of left, held us together, helped build a core, and then sent us to be missionaries in this area, and they have been with us every step of the way. Then we have Columbia Press who gave us a home to go to for the first six months of our reality, and they was like, you can call us home because you're family. We greet you as family. We have Belmont who has welcomed us in for six more months who have given us a home to stay for a season, and they say, y'all are family. Even the cookout we have yesterday is a testimony of God's church working to love on his people because we had Midtown Two Notch who bought a brand new grill for us to have a cookout in the community. And this is just a list, a short list of all the churches who have been right with us every step of the way, greeting us as fellow brothers and sisters. This is how God's bride works. We are one local church and a community of many other churches. We are linking arms with other brothers and sisters in other churches, holding up the, the bloodstained banner. Jesus is our king, and we want to show it off for our city to see.
That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And I pray that's why we continue to exist and that's why we continue to be here. And sometimes when you find a local church, the local church might not be the best place. That local church might not be the best place for you. But we have other brothers and sisters and other local churches that we would love to say, that's family too. Find out about that family. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, that means for us to live devoted. We first have to be devoted to Christ as, and the gift that he has given us, the way he has loved us, and then we have to be devoted to his bride because they go hand in hand. They are together. And one day his bride would be as perfect as he is. He's coming back for an unblemished and unstained beautiful bride, and we will be in the number. For you today who may not know of this love, maybe you don't even know about the love of Christ, how he came and sacrificed everything on our behalf so that we would be a wonderful possession of his. Maybe today is your day to find out about this wonderful love. But if you have declared, no, I love him, I know him, I trust him, well, then maybe today is your day to find out about how do you love a local church? How do you be involved with a local church? How do you live as one another's in a local church? Since Jesus saw it as just as, as important, we want to see it as just as important. Have you experienced his love first? And if you haven't, we would love for you to experience it. But if you have, and you haven't experienced the love of a church, we would also love for you to experience the love of a local church as we live as a called and connected family, as commissioned ambassadors for his kingdom together. Strange and different folk who are just trying to point to his wonderful glory. In a few moments, as the praise team start to make their way up, um, we're going to have a quick testimony from our sister, one of our one another's, who's gonna tell us about what it looks like to be in community. It looks like to be a part of family and her experience in family. So, Viv, if you wouldn't mind. Thanks, me. Um, hey, friends. Uh, you know me. My name is Vivian Christmas. Um, so I moved to Columbia summer of 2020, right in the thick of COVID. Very exciting time to move. And I was praying as I came for the body of Christ that I was going to move into. Um, and some verses that I love and I was praying were Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which say, let us consider how to strip one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I was praying that. And when I first came around, what was originally a small group with Riverside, um, I heard a girl sharing, she's not here anymore, she moved away, but she was sharing about a neighbor that she wanted to share the gospel with, and then everybody was kind of encouraging her, and I was like, okay, this is the kind of people I want to be around, like, this is so fun. So that was what kind of first drew me in here um, and got me excited about how God was going to answer that prayer. But, you know, what has really stuck with me as I was thinking about how this community has impacted me uh, was, so I thought about the end of those verses, that we are looking ahead to Jesus coming back. 
And our family, our little church family here has known a lot over the last year, a lot of loss, a lot of um, hard things going on in life, a lot of joy, a lot of celebration, uh, a lot of confusion and transition. And that is what I kept coming back to is like, I have experienced men and women coming around me to long for Jesus together. And community isn't just like do better, be better, but go let's, let's hope for Jesus. Like we are arm in arm looking ahead to the day that Jesus is going to come back and make us his in eternity. And so that, that's what has just given me life this year, I think is taking walks by the river and just saying like, life is hard, but I'm glad we're in it together. Um, and just praying for each other. So yeah, I think that's, as I, as I think about our community, that's what I continue to pray for that we would yes, stir one another to love and good works, but uh, even more so to long for Jesus to come back and to look to him, set our, set our face on him. So with that, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll continue to worship. Jesus, we are your family. Um, and that means we are each other's family. And yeah, Jesus, I do pray that our hearts individually and collectively would be set on you, that our gaze would not just be on making ourselves better as a church or doing enough for one another as a church, but that we would set our gaze on you, the author and perfecter of our individual faith and our unified faith. Um, God, I pray that we would live as your people and your world, not um, not making our own way, our own name, our own kingdom of city of refuge, but as your people, as your family, and that our, yeah, our hearts and our gaze really would be um, moved to you together. And that as we, yeah, as we experience one another and as we share with one another, um, we would gently and sometimes firmly point each other back to you. And yeah, Jesus, I pray that it would be our gaze on your face that would move us into action, would move us into worship and would move us into life together. Uh, We love you, Jesus. Amen.